It's great to be together, isn't it? It's great to worship God together, and it's great to listen to God's Word, to unpack God's Word together. God's Word is living and active and speaks into our very hearts and souls, and God's going to speak to us this morning. We come to, this is the last in our series from 1 Corinthians, but for the grace of God, and today we're going to be just focusing on two short verses. As we've been working through this series, what we've realized is is that Paul, the Apostle Paul, loves the church. He loves the church in Corinth. He's a father figure to them. They are his children. The evidence of his ministry in the gospel is the church. And he's saddened by what he's heard about them and what's going on in the church. And he's had to write a tough letter to them, and we've been working our way through it over these last months. It's a tough letter, but it's full of his love for them, because he wants better things for them. And he talks about issues of pride, of uh, divisiveness, moral failures, which are affecting how they do things and how they speak and how they worship. And he ends the letter in chapter 15 with the victory of Jesus over death and sin and how Jesus' death and victory is a challenge for us to live in a whole new way. How do we respond? And as we get to the end of this letter, we come to two verses, which if you like are Paul finally just summarizing in a few short words the answer, how we live. And so we're going to read verses 13 and 14 of chapter 16. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Let's read that again. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Now, clear instructions are a crucial part of training uh, in the armed forces and if you're in a battle situation. Following those instructions isn't optional. The goal is to help effective troops become uh, effective soldiers. I came across some less helpful instructions apparently given to U.S. military personnel. There was uh, a message, there was a, a note on a rocket launcher instruction that said this, aim towards the enemy. Advice given to infantry soldiers. If the enemy's in range, so are you. Don't draw fire, it irritates the people around you. Advice to US Air Force troops. It's inadvisable to eject directly over the area you have just bombed. 
And finally, if you see a bomb technician running, try to keep up with him. <laughs> they are, I think, slightly uh, silly things to have to, to tell troops to do. But finishing his letter, Paul gives five short, essential instructions to believers in the church in Corinth. And they're also going to be crucial for us if we're going to live out our, our faith and stand firmly in God's grace. And so this morning, the title of what we're focusing on is Stand Firm. If the things that Paul has just said sound like what a commander might say to his troops in battle, it's because they are. This sort of language may feel uncomfortable to us, but like it or not, as Christians, we are in a battle. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 reminds us that this world is under the influence of the evil one, and we're living in a war zone. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famous 20th century preacher, said this, Many people seem to be disappointed when they find that the Christian life is a fight. They seem to have got the idea from the moment you become a Christian, you will never encounter any problems or difficulties. There will be no fight. There will be no struggle. Effort will not be required. So when they find that, on the contrary, they have grave difficulties and a mighty battle, they are utterly discouraged. Do you feel like you're in a battle? Have you been facing intense difficulties and opposition in your life and circumstances? Maybe in work, maybe in relationships, maybe physically? Paul is reminding us in these verses that we have an enemy. But his point is this, is that through Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus has ensured that the outcome is certain. And yet these instructions also remind us that the enemy, although defeated, and one day Jesus will come back and all will be put right, these instructions remind us that the devil is still a formidable foe. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, it says this, Woe to the earth, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. His time is nearly up, and yet that makes him more ferocious. And every follower of Jesus is an enemy target, and we should expect opposition. Paul's just told us in verse 9 of chapter 16 that he's in Ephesus and God's opened a door for effective ministry. But he says, but there is opposition. There are people opposing me. Opposition typically comes through people. But Paul says to the Ephesian believers in chapter 6 of Ephesians, he says that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities that are arrayed in the heavenlies against us. 
And so these instructions, these short instructions are to help us stand firm in God's grace. And we're going to look at them this morning and they are going to speak to us. God's going to speak to us through them and he's going to help us. And the first one is this, be alert. Be alert. If you have had children or you uh, have have the privilege of grandchildren, or maybe you uh, work in a school, you know that if you're in charge of a group of children, you need to have eyes in the back of your head. You need to be alert. When I was little, my mum, uh, I was in the uh, front garden or the back garden, and uh, my, my, my mum had my sister, she, my sister was a baby, I would have been about three, uh, maybe three and a half, and I'm playing in the front garden, and the baker comes, because there was, bakers used to l- deliver bread back in the day, um, and uh, the baker left the gate open, and I was gone, I was off. For those of you who have children, you have to have them on range. I was a runner. I was gone. I was, I was heading for the hills. And uh, I went out through the village across, uh, the, down, I was, uh, down the main road, turned right, and I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm going for the country. And there's this lady who, uh, I passed the house, and she, she recognizes me, and she takes me in, and she phones me. My mum is distraught. She is distraught because she's taken her. She's thought I was safe. But someone's left the gate open. And in a moment, I'm gone. And she is absolutely distraught. And then when she finds me, she's so relieved. Be alert. Distracted or sleepy Christians will find that the enemy is able to cause havoc in our lives and in the lives of those we love. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew chapter 13 about a man sowing good seed. But when everybody's sleeping, an enemy comes and sows weeds amongst the crop. And the damage is done while people are sleeping. The New Testament writers regularly are encouraging us as followers of Jesus to be on guard, to be alert. To watch out for signs of enemy activity. Jesus himself says that the devil is a liar and he's the father of lies. And our responsibility is to make sure that we're not taken advantage of because we know how we operate. We understand how we operate. He's a liar and he wants us to believe lies. And it's why biblical orthodoxy, it's why what the Bible says is so important to us. Because he wants us to stop believing what the Bible says. The devil tempts us to disobey God. And the Bible's our yardstick for uh, what we believe and how we behave in today's society. And we need to be alert so that we don't fall into the devil's trap. Let's not be those who are asleep on the job guarding the front door but we've left the back door wide open one lapse can do irreparable damage to our reputation to our marriage to our relationships to our family to our career one careless word one careless action One moment where we think it doesn't matter and no one sees 
And the devil comes in and causes havoc. So we need to be those who are sober-minded and alert. Because Peter says, our adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And the main way that we are alert is there's a few things that we do. We, we need to be those who are prayerful. If we're going to be those who remain alert, we're those believers who are prayerful. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, Paul tells the believers in Ephesus, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray at all times. We're to be a people who don't just pray. We live a a life of prayer. When we see things and things are happening around us, we're praying, God, breakthrough today. Come and help that person. It's not that we pray literally every moment of the day, but we are prayerful. We're a people who bring things to God because God is the one who's in control. God is the one who fights for us, as we heard this morning. We're to pray for ourselves, but we're also to be those praying for others, standing in the gap, praying for others, just as we've been called to do. Calm and peace in our world. If everything is going well, isn't a moment that we can take off our uniform and mingle with the crowd. Staying alert means avoiding those who are going to be a bad influence. It's about being careful what we say and who we say it to. It says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Listen to this. Ephesians 4, 29. No foul language should come from your mouth. Foul language just isn't swear words. It's language that is unacceptable, inappropriate, inappropriate way to speak or behave. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. How do we speak? Staying alert means fleeing temptation. Paul tells the Roman believers, now I urge you brothers and sisters to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you learned. Avoid them. We need to be those who are alert. Have you taken your eye off the battle? Have you lost sight of some stuff? God's calling us to be a people who are alert. Wide awake, ready for all that happens. Be alert. The second thing is this. Stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. Now, when someone wants us to do something that uh, we perhaps don't particularly want to do, it isn't in our heart, maybe a boss or maybe a friend, uh, maybe uh, a, a potential partner, someone wants us to do something they want, but it isn't good. We need to be those who stand firm in the midst of Pressure to give in. Pressure to cut corners. Manipulation to get us to do what they want us to do. 
Intimidation. If you don't do that, fear that can cause us to want to surrender or run. Standing firm means holding our ground when facing difficult situations. In Ephesians chapter 6, that famous passage, verses 10 to 18, in the first four five verses, Paul urges us to stand on four occasions. Stand firm. It was particularly relevant to first century Christians who were facing persecution. We may think it's less relevant today. But Paul warns us, all of us will face the day of evil. And if we haven't yet, we will. And I know that many of you here today are facing huge difficulties. Annie and I have been talking this week about the number of people we know are facing such difficult circumstances. Many of you are going through it. Stand firm. Standing firm is only possible when the ground is solid. In this life, there is only one reliable foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. He is the only one you can build your life along on with certainty that you will be safe and safe for eternity. Psalm 40, the writer says this, He lifted me out of a slimy pit. God lifts us out of slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. And he sets our feet on a rock and gives us a firm place to stand. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Now it is God who makes, us, uh, makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Jesus Christ is solid ground in these days. There's an old hymn on Christ, the solid rock I stand. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, he is the best place to stand in these days. He will never let you down. He will never disappoint you, whatever happens around. And so if we're going to stand firm, we need to stand firm in the faith. Here's some encouragements from Scripture. If we're going to stand firm, we need to be humble. Listen to this, what it says in Ephesians 6, 13. Put on the full armor of God. You put it on. Put on the full armor of God. And then Paul says in Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, if you think you are standing firm, be careful you don't fall. We need to be humble. If you think you're standing firm, if you think you're okay, be careful that you don't fall. Pride is thinking that we can do it ourselves and God's our last resort. We need to take responsibility. That verse I referred to just in Ephesians 6 where it says, put on the full armor of God. That's what you need to do. Every day we put on the armor of God. We take responsibility. There's a danger that we can think that God's done it all and we need to do nothing. We just breeze through life. No, 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 no. Take responsibility. Put on the full armor of God. Don't focus on circumstances. Stand on the promises of God. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. We read a few weeks ago. We need to face the facts, face the circumstances, but we stand on the promises of God. 
That's what Romans 4 verses 19 to 20 tell us. We're those who are grace-filled. Galatians 5, Paul says, stand firm then. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. It's not about what you do that pleases God. You stand in the grace of God, what he has done for you. Hallelujah. This is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. 1 Peter 5 verse 12 tells us. We're those who are grace-filled. And we're those who embrace unity. If we're going to stand firm, we stand firm together. It says this in Philippians 1.27. Stand firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. There's no lone rangers in the army of God. We're a people who stand together. Ephesians chapter 6 is written to a church about putting on the armor of God. Stand firm in the faith. Then Paul goes on and we're going to look at the the third and the fourth ones together. Be courageous and strong. Be courageous and strong. These were and still are commands that are relevant to us. Thirteen times we read in the Old Testament those phrases together. Be strong and courageous. Now, here's the thing. When you hear this thing, be strong. It's not, I I mean, I, I sort of imagine, I go to the gym and there's these huge weights in front of me. Me saying to myself, be strong, doesn't help. It really doesn't. If I'm going, be strong. Come on, be strong. It It doesn't work. When I look at myself in the mirror and I say, be young. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Be slim. It doesn't work. If, it, if only it worked, if it only it worked, it doesn't work. Paul isn't encouraging us to speak to ourselves in front of a mirror. He's not wanting us to encourage ourselves. We can do something by listening to some inspirational talks. He's not encouraging us to follow crazy people. Trying to be strong and courageous won't make us strong and courageous. Clearly, we need to get our strength and our courage from somewhere else. Who is strong enough to overcome our foe and our circumstances? Psalm 24 verse 8 gives us the answer. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, mighty in battle. We're to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 tells us. You see, relying on ourselves is only going to get us into trouble. The Old Testament character Samson is a warning to each one of us. Samson experienced supernatural strength when God's spirit came on him. He exercised great courage in those moments when God's spirit rested on him. 
But when Samson slowly began to lose his sight of God, that this was all about God and not about him, and he started to take his eyes off the God who made him strong, he began to believe that he could do what he liked and he could live how he liked. And his enemies, the Philistines, knew that he could be undone by Delilah. How sad it is to read in Judges chapter 16, says this, Samson didn't know that the Lord had left him. Listen, the enemy knows what Delilah to send your way. We need to acknowledge our weakness to receive God's strength. His power is made perfect in our weakness. When we're weak, then we're strong because we come to him for his strength. We're not relying on ourselves. We're not saying to ourselves, be strong, be courageous. Our confidence is in the one who stands alongside us, who is strong and courageous and mighty in battle. The Lord who fights for us. In Psalm 31 verse 24 it says this, Be strong and let your heart be courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. We put our hope in God. Be strong and courageous. And the last one is this, do everything in love. Andrew Wilson in his commentary, One Corinthians for You, says this, The first four without the fifth will lead to disaster. If you try to do the first four without the fifth one, doing everything in love, it will be a disaster. Paul's whole point is it's not just what we do, but how we do it that matters. It's his main theme as we get to the end of Corinthians about love. The importance of doing everything in love. Without it, our actions are worthless. And so all that we do must be because we're, we ourselves are saturated in God's love for us. And if we're saturated in God's love for us, we should be like sponges that soak it in. That whenever we're under pressure and the squeeze comes on, what comes out is the love of God. Paul's challenge at the end of chapter 16 is that we love the Lord. We love God. Verse 22. We can only love because he first loved us. God fills us with his love as the Holy Spirit dwells within us. If you've put your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He doesn't float around. The Holy Spirit's not floating around out there. If you're a believer of G in Jesus, you've put your trust in. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And you need to allow him to uh, fill every part of your life. All those closed doors that you won't let anyone in. You need to open them to the Holy Spirit. I say, Holy Spirit, come into that area of my life. And as you allow him in, he floods you. And he changes you. 
And he transforms you from the inside out. The gospel is transformational. So we gladly say, anyone who comes is welcome. Come as you are. Because we know that you will not stay as you are. Because Jesus transforms you from the inside out by his spirit. God fills us with his love as the spirit dwells within us. And we should show love in every situation, especially when we are fighting the good fight. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. In the heat of battle, we need to be those who love people around us, who exude the love of God. In the heat of battle, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what it says in Nehemiah 8 verse 10. It's why we can be joyful in any circumstance. Because God's spirit dwells within us. And we don't see things as the world sees. We see things through different spectacles. Gospel spectacles. We know this world is passing. One day we will be with him forever. In conflict. We're called to be peacemakers, not troublemakers, not aggressive. We're called to be those who are peacemakers. Proverbs 16.32 tells us, patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. Patience is better than power. Proverbs 15 tells us a gentle answer turns away wrath. We're to be kind when we face our enemies. If they're hungry, we feed them. And if they're thirsty, we give them something to drink. And if they take our cloak, we offer them another one. If they ask us to go one mile, we're the ones that go two. Jesus is our great example. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And we're told that in Acts chapter 10 that he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil. He undid the tyranny of the devil by doing good. And so if we are going to stand firm and fight the good fight, it will be because we do everything in love. The early church saw the Roman world literally turned upside down within three centuries as they practically demonstrated the love of God to an antagonistic but desperate world. Nothing has changed. The gospel remains the same. Jesus Christ remains the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still victorious. He is seated at the Father's right hand and one day will return. And we are his people and he loves us dearly. And he has given us his spirit that is a guarantee, a guarantee of what's to come. And if we do everything in love, who knows what God might do through us. So as we come to a close this morning as we finish this series but for the grace of God God is speaking to us 
Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. He wants you to be people who are alert. He wants you, he's calling you to be ready, to be on guard, to be on point. These are not days to be sleeping. These are not days for sleepy faith. These are days that we stand and we are alert. We're ready. We're watching. We're watchful. We're looking for signs of enemy activity in our lives and in those around us. And we pray. We're those who pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Asking God to be with people, to break through, to change situations and circumstances. With those who avoid godless chatter. We're those who stand firm, but we stand firm in the faith. We stand firm in what Jesus has done for us. And so we're a people who live in humility, live with our eyes, not on the circumstances, but on the promises of God. We stand on the promises of God. We're those who stand together. We're those who are strong and courageous. Not by telling us to be, ourselves to be strong and courageous. We're strong and courageous because he's strong and courageous and we're trusting in him. And we do everything in love. I'm going to read some verses from 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 to 11. Just want them to wash over us. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God the one who does not love does not know God because God is love God's love was revealed to us in this way God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him Love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. Can I ask the band to come and join me on stage? We're going to respond to God. We're going to focus on God's great love for us. And we're going to be asking God, by his spirit, to come and do something inside us that transforms us and makes us those who are alert, those who stand firm in the faith, those who are strong and courageous, those who do everything in love because we have received his love. It's the only way it's possible. Let's stand.